morning or good afternoon, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I have placed you all um, on a forced mute, so if you do want to unmute your line, um, you'll need to press star six and then go back on um, mute, please, when you're um, finished talking. Um, so thank you for joining the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Northwestern Division, for this additional Missouri River Basin Water Management Conference call. I am Michael Coffey, and I will be moderating today's call. The decision to schedule this ad hoc call was based on the significant changes in basin conditions. At this time, Ms. Jody Farhat, Chief of our Water Management Division, will provide more detail about these changes. Jody? Okay, thank you, Michael. Um, the theme of our previous call, which was held on May 7th, was drought. And after a warm, dry winter with little plain snowpack and much below normal mountain snowpack, our concerns were directed to the low water conditions, and we anticipated having to implement drought conservation measures as early as July 1st. Six weeks later, all that's changed. Heavy rain throughout the basin has increased the inflows into the Corps' tributary and mainstem reservoirs and has shifted the focus of the operation of the Corps' mainstem reservoirs from drought conservation to flood risk management. Therefore, as we indicated on our previous calls, we scheduled this ad hoc call to update you on those changed basin conditions and to give you a chance to ask the region's climate specialists and the National Weather Service Missouri Basin River Forecast Center and the Corps any questions you may have about these changed conditions. So that's the purpose of today's call, and we hope that you uh, find it useful. Over to you, Michael. Okay, thanks, Jody. Uh, so for your awareness, these calls are recorded in their entirety. Your participation acknowledges your consent to be recorded. Um, the communication materials, presentation materials uh, today, if you are, um, uh, we provided information about the webinar portion, so hopefully you were able to uh, get onto the webinar to follow along with speakers. Um, for the convenience of our media representatives, um, the final slide in this presentation includes each speaker's name, title, and contact information. The agenda for today's call will be as follows. Dr. Dennis Toddy, South Dakota State Climatologist, will discuss the one-month and three-month precipitation and temperature outlooks from the NOAA Climate Prediction Center. Mr. Kevin Lau, hydrologist with the National Weather Service's Missouri Basin River Forecast Center, will discuss the latest potential outlook for flood risk along the Missouri River Basin. Finally, Ms. Jody Farhat, Chief of the Corps' Missouri River Water Management Division, along with Kevin Stom, Senior Hydraulic Engineer, and Joel Konofchinski, Hydraulic Engineer, will provide an update on the current reservoir operations, including the Corps' runoff forecast for 2015 and the planned regulation of the reservoir system. We will now begin. So, Dr. Toddy? Are you on the line? Yes, you are on uh, your own mute, so if you would hit star six. I just did. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Ms. Farhat has, has really hit this quite well. We have uh, greatly flipped around what we were seeing in our basin from the last time we talked in early May. So we're going to review, quick review those conditions and what we're seeing going ahead. So let's go ahead to the next slide. Uh, just a review of what's happened the last 30 days. That covers a good chunk of the wetter period. Uh, the slides on the left present what is happening uh, in the way of precipitation over the Missouri Basin, most of the Missouri Basin, Northern Plains. Uh, this, the scale is on the right-hand side. So at the upper left-hand side, you can see total precipitation. You can see the wetter areas into uh, eastern Kansas, southeastern Nebraska, southwest South Dakota, where we've had uh, you know, as much as 10 inches of precipitation over the last 30 days. Uh, areas further north in the Dakotas, Montana, Wyoming, uh, we've had you know, two inch to four inch precipitation amounts in those locations. Down below shows the, on the lower left-hand side, percent of normal precipitation, basically showing that most of the basin has been above average in the way of precipitation. Anything in green to purple is above average. Purples are as much to 200 to 400 percent of average, so you can see the areas that have been the wettest. Uh, Wyoming to the western Dakotas have been quite wet. Uh, parts of Colorado uh, leading into the Platte and then northeastern Kansas, the areas that, that, are, that are over uh, quite wet for this whole time period. And, and this extends even back beyond to about the, the first or second week of May when we quickly turned around. Uh, from a, a temperature standpoint on the right-hand side, the green areas are below average temperatures over the last 30 days. The, uh, the orange to red areas are above average, so kind of a mixed bag across the, uh, the basin. Let's go on to the next slide. Now we'll transition to the, uh, the, eight, the outlooks. Go on to the next slide, please. Uh, this is the 8 to 14 day outlook. So this is the time period from the 29th of June to the 5th of July, getting into the first part of July. Temperature on the left-hand side, precipitation on the right-hand side. Uh, so we're going to be getting into a, a little bit cooler period, more likely through this into the first part of July, that area. Uh, of, of darker blue is cooler than average, except for Wyoming and Montana and the upper basin warmer than average. Um, on the right-hand side, probably of a bit more interest is that we had below average chances for precipitation over this time period. And, and that is also borne out in what we're seeing this week, too, that the activity that has occurred over the last several weeks does quiet down somewhat this week. There still are a few chances for precipitation, but uh, not as much as we have seen. Let's go ahead to the next slide, and we'll look at what we're seeing for the, for the month of July itself, uh, for the 30-day outlook from the Climate Prediction Center at NOAA. Again, the left-hand side temperature, precipitation on the right-hand side, and, and a large part of the basin stays on the cooler-than-average side as we head into July, largely due to, well, partially we'll talk about El Nino briefly, but the wetter-than-average conditions, when you have wetter-than-average conditions throughout the basin, uh, that tends to have temperatures be below average, especially in the, in the spring to middle of summer, uh, but also above average chances for precipitation in July. Uh, now, note that this does not relate to necessarily precipitation amounts. These probabilities are based on chances of precipitation and not precipitation amounts. So we will continue to have more than average chances for precipitation in July, but if you remember your climatology throughout the basin, uh, Climate, climatologically, we start to see less precipitation during the month of July. So we'll have above average chances for precipitation, but 
that's at a time when we tend to have less precipitation overall anyway. Let's go on to the next slide. And you're going to see a very similar map for July through September. The area of cooler than average is slightly decreased, and the, the, the far upper basin, Mon Montana and Wyoming, has a little better chance to be above average temperatures for the three-month period as a whole. But you see that area of wetter than average is likely to stick, stick with us through the latter part of the year. So uh, we, we do look like we're going to slow down a little bit in the way of precipitation, but we're not going to shut off in the way of precipitation. And those above average chances for precipitation will stick with us through the July through September period. Go on to the next slide. Uh, just a refresher on where, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, one more, the drought update. Um, a very interesting change that occurred when we talked the last time. You can see on the left-hand side uh, where the last time we talked was in late April when we had uh, lots of drought area in, in, in the basin, uh, as much as a D2 severe drought conditions. And you compare that to last week's map where there are only a couple small areas of D1 moderate drought and a couple popular, uh, small areas of, of drier than average conditions. So really have changed around very quickly across the basin. Next slide. Uh, the El Nino update. Uh, El Nino we talk about because uh, when we have El Nino or La Nina conditions, that does impact our forecast capability uh, anytime during the year, but particularly during the summertime. And basically what this is showing you is the probabilities of El Nino as we look in the three-month periods going on out from the current June, July, August on the left-hand side, each one of those bars related to a three-month period, July, August, September, August, September, October. And you see the red bar as being close to 100% throughout the end of the year. Basically, the, we are in a, a quite a strong El Nino, particularly for this time of year, and that's likely to stay with us as we go along uh, into the fall and even into uh, the winter, where it's, uh, El Nino is likely to impact our winter outlook. So uh, the impact of El Nino has, was really, uh, really influenced the outlooks where it does give us better chances for cooler conditions and, and, and somewhat wetter conditions uh, through, the, through the summer. Note that El Nino is not the complete picture of what's going on right now, but it has been a bit of a driver uh, behind what we've seen so far. Let's go on to our wrap-up slide here. So our key points are we are in an El Nino, what, what NOAA calls an El Nino advisory because there's one going on right now. Precipitation over the last 30 days has generally been wetter, uh, quite, uh, quite wet in some areas uh, where we've seen some of the larger runoffs in different locations around the basin. That has also left us with some very wet soils, so that's something we have to watch, that even, even some uh, not very heavy precipitation events will still be able to produce some runoff because of the wet soils. 30 day, last 30 days temperature has been quite variable across the basin. Looking ahead from a prediction standpoint, um, except for the far northern basin, we're likely to continue cool and wet, cooler or wetter than average conditions for the next 30 days and throughout the summer, or that is the most likely condition to occur, partially because of El Nino, partially because of persistence of those existing conditions. It's not a guarantee that's going to continue, but that's the most likely uh, expectation. Um, and just a reminder that these outlooks are based on chances of precipitation, not necessarily amounts. So we're not projecting that there's going to continue to be heavy rainfall, but the, the likelihood of above average precipitation does stick with us. And as I mentioned, El Nino will likely continue to be a factor in the summer, uh, this fall, and, and probably even to this winter and the continued outlooks. That concludes my section of this.
Thank you, sir. Um, and next we'll go to Mr. Kevin Lau. Hello, Michael. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. As uh, Dr. Toddy and Ms. Farhad has uh, already mentioned, things have taken a quite a turn in the basin since the last time we've talked. During the last six weeks, several round, rounds of thunderstorm activity have led to minor to moderate flooding, extending from the foothills of Colorado and Wyoming eastward to the mouth of the Missouri at, at uh, St. Louis. A few headwater locations in Colorado, Nebraska, and Missouri have experienced major flooding. During the past six weeks, at least three locations have set new stage records. Those occurred along the uh, Powder River in Wyoming, Salt Creek in Nebraska, and the Little Blue River in Kansas. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers reported the highest daily average inflow ever computed into Chatfield Reservoir, occurring a couple of Fridays ago on 12 June, and that's in the Denver area. Flows in the South Platte River Basin continue to be augmented by mountain snowmelt. Flooding is still ongoing or has just recently receded within the Big Blue River Basin in Kansas, along the North Platte and Platte Rivers in Nebraska, the Grand River in Missouri, the James River in South Dakota, within the Kansas River Basin in Kansas, including the Kansas River itself, within the Osage River Basin in Missouri, the Missouri River itself below Nebraska City, and along many of the smaller tributaries within the state of Missouri. On Thursday, June the 18th, last Thursday, the governor of the state of Missouri declared a state of emergency due to flooding within the state. Long-range outlooks issued by our office during the last week of May indicate the continued likelihood of periodic minor to moderate flooding this summer in Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri due to convective activity. But this is not atypical. However, the likelihood for episodic flooding is somewhat elevated as compared to normal due to the saturated soil conditions, especially in southeastern Nebraska, eastern Kansas, and across the state of Missouri. New flood potential outlooks will be issued this week by our office, and those can be accessed at water.weather.gov. Thank you, and this concludes the National Weather Service Flood Potential Brief. Uh, thank you so much. We'll turn it over to Jody Farhat and her team. Ms. Farhat. Okay, thank you, Michael, and thanks, Dennis and Kevin, for your update. So now two of the senior engineers in the Water Management Office will describe the resulting runoff and reservoir conditions and what we expect for the remainder of the year. We'll begin with Kevin Strom, who will discuss the runoff forecast, and he'll be followed by Joel Konopczynski, who will discuss the planned operation of the reservoir system. So go ahead, Kevin. Okay, thank you, Jody. As Dr. Cotty noted, the very dry conditions of third in March and April and forecasted dry to normal conditions in May, June, and July ended in May with above normal runoff. June runoff in the upper basin above Sioux City is forecast to be approximately 130% of normal. Therefore, as of June 17th, we expect the calendar year runoff forecast to increase from about 89% of normal overall to 110% of normal. And this is shown in slide 13 which I, I have here on the webinar, it's a bar chart 
of the monthly observed and forecast runoff for the basin above Sioux City, Iowa. The dark blue bars in this chart indicate the observed monthly runoff, the yellow bars indicate the forecast runoff, and the red bars are the normal or average monthly runoff. As a result of these last six weeks of much above normal precipitation and runoff into the system, we have changed gears from a water conservation mode to a flood control flood evacuation mode. The calendar year runoff forecast takes into account current stream flow conditions, soil moisture conditions, observed and forecast precipitation and temperatures, the mountain snowpack, and the CPC climate outlook. Soil moisture conditions in the upper basin are very wet, especially in Wyoming, southern North Dakota, and western South Dakota. Accumulated precipitation, as covered by Dr. Toddy, has been greater than 150% of normal in these same areas during the past 30 days. While temperatures have been normal to above normal in Montana and Wyoming, and below normal in the lower basin. Mountain snowpack, which has a large influence on the May, June, and July runoff in the Fort Peck and Garrison reaches, peaked at 72% of normal in the Fort Peck reach and 78% of normal in the Garrison reach. This is shown in the slide that I'm showing right here, which is slide 14, if you have it in paper copy in front of you. The mountain snowpack has mostly melted, but some of that runoff has not entered the main stem reservoir system because of stream flow travel time and storage in tributary reservoirs. Finally, the monthly and seasonal climate outlook have been considered in the updated calendar year runoff forecast. As Dr. Toddy noted, for the upper Missouri River Basin, CPC indicates an increased probability for above normal precipitation in July as well as during the three-month July through September period, and an increased probability for below normal temperatures in the mid to lower Missouri Basin during the same time periods. Due to the combination of these factors, runoff is forecast to be above normal each month for the remainder of the calendar year with system storage peaking in mid-July. Or Joel Konopchinsky will cover that a little bit in, in his comments. Per guidance in the master manual, which considers system storage, tributary project storage, and the projected runoff above Gavin's Point Dam for the remainder of the year, the system service level has been increased 3,000 cubic feet per second. The increased target gives us the ability to evacuate flood control storage at a slightly higher discharge if downstream conditions permit. We will update the service level again on July 1st. Currently, we have decreased releases from Gavin's Point Dam to 24,000 cubic feet per second to provide some downstream flood reduction while still providing minimum service to navigation in the reaches with commercial navigation. We also are providing um, good service for water supply and recreation. So now Joel Konopchinsky will discuss changes to the reservoir system study. Thank you, Kevin. Next slide. Reservoir system storage is currently at 60.9 million acre-feet and is 4.8 million acre-feet into the annual flood control and multiple use zone. At the current storage level, 29% of the total flood storage has been used. In other words, 11.5 million acre-feet of the 16.3 million acre-feet of total flood control storage is available to capture runoff and benefit downstream flood risk reduction. System storage has risen 2.6 million acre-feet during June. Our current forecast shows that the system storage will continue to gain over the next several weeks 
and will likely peak in mid-July to late July, which is fairly typical. This peak storage would use about 35% of the total flood storage. As Kevin mentioned, Gavin's Point releases were recently reduced and are currently set at 24,000 cubic feet per second. Cycling of releases to prevent lease turns and piping plovers from nesting on low sandbars has been discontinued. The release at the high part of the cycle was 28,000 cubic feet per second. Releases from Gavin's Point Dam will likely remain near 24,000 cubic feet per second to minimize downstream impacts and may be curtailed further if flood flooding worsens. Eventually, releases will be increased to meet navigation flow targets as needed. Our preliminary July 1st forecast shows a fall evacuation rate from Gavin's Point in the range of 40,000 to 45,000 cubic feet per second, which is 5,000 to 10,000 cubic feet per second above flows needed to meet navigation targets. The preliminary forecast also shows that the potential for a 10-day extension to the navigation season and a higher than average winter release to complete evacuation of the stored flood water. The rate of evacuation this fall and winter is highly dependent on runoff throughout the remainder of the period and any additional adjustments to Gavin's Point releases this summer. Next slide. Looking at the upper three reservoirs, Fort Peck Reservoir is at elevation 2237.1 and is nearing its peak. The reservoir is 3.1 feet above the top of the carryover multiple use zone. Fort Peck's releases are currently 9,000 cubic feet per second and will remain at that rate during the summer. Garrison Reservoir is at elevation 1843.2. The reservoir is 5.7 feet into the annual flood control and multiple use zone. Our current forecast shows that the reservoir continue to rise through July and will gain approximately three more feet. The reservoir is expected to peak less than nine feet into the 16.5 feet flood pool which extends from elevation 1837.5 to 1854.0. Average daily releases are currently at 21,000 cubic feet per second. Releases will likely range from 21,000 to 25,000 cubic feet per second for the remainder of the summer and fall. Owahi Reservoir is currently at elevation 1611.5. The reservoir is expected to gain approximately another foot peaking about five feet into the 12.5 foot flood pool, which extends from elevation 1607.5 to 1620. Daily average releases are expected to range from 21,000 to 35,000 cubic feet per second during the summer and the fall. Next slide. As we typically do, long range reservoir studies will be updated at the beginning of the month, and next month's studies will likely be posted on July 2nd. Thank you, and that concludes my talk. Okay, thank you, Kevin and Joel, for that update. So in summary, the focus of the operation of the Missouri River Mainstream Reservoir System has shifted from drought conservation to flood risk management. The risk of minor to moderate flooding along the lower Missouri River and its tributaries continues to exist due to normal thunderstorm activity like we've seen repeatedly during the past six weeks. Storing water in the reservoirs during periods of high runoff and reducing releases from Gavin's Point in response to downstream rainfall are the primary aspects of our normal flood risk management. The reservoir system, which is currently occupying just 29% of the flood control storage, is well positioned for these operations. The Corps will utilize the available flood control space in the reservoirs to limit downstream river levels when possible. However, the ability to reduce river levels diminishes as you move further downstream due to the travel time. 
We expect the reservoir system to provide good service to all authorized purposes this year, including flows slightly above full-service navigation later this summer and into the fall to evacuate the stored flood water. And above normal winter releases are likely, which will benefit winter hydropower production and the water intakes along the lower river. We'll continue to monitor the conditions in the basin and we'll make any necessary release adjustments as the year unfolds. If conditions change dramatically, we'll schedule another conference call like this one to keep you updated. That concludes my remarks. Thank you very much. Back to you, Michael. Okay. Thank you, Jody. Um, so we are going to now open up the line for questions. Uh, we will field those questions by state in alphabetical order. Um, and you're free to um, ask questions of the core, Dr. Toddy and Mr. Lau. Let's begin with Iowa. Do we have any congressional delegation members from Iowa? Do we have any Iowa tribes? Iowa state officials or local government? Iowa press. Moving on to Kansas, uh, questions from the congressional delegation members. Tribes, state officials or local government, Kansas press. Uh, remember that you are on forced mute, so you will need to hit star six to unmute yourself. Okay, let's move on to Missouri. Uh, any congressional delegation members from Missouri who may have a question? Missouri tribes. Missouri state officials or local government? Missouri press? Okay, let's go on to Montana. Congressional delegation members from Montana. Montana tribes. Montana state officials or local government. Montana press. Okay, let's go on to Nebraska. Congressional delegation members. Nebraska tribes. State officials or local government? Nebraska Press? Okay. Uh, North Dakota. Are there any congressional delegation members who may have questions? North Dakota Tribes? State officials, local government? North Dakota Press. South Dakota. Congressional delegation members. South Dakota Tribes. State officials or local government. South Dakota Press. Okay, let's go on to Wyoming. Any congressional delegation members there who may have a question? 
Wyoming tribes, Wyoming state officials or local government, Wyoming press. Are there any national press on the phone who may have questions? Hi, I'm sorry. I had a problem unmuting my line. This is Keely with South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Could I ask a question oh, yet? Absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, our audio system's a little wonky. Um, so I just want to clarify because I wasn't able to get in on uh, the first about a minute of the call. It sounds like um, that the main change is at Gavin's point, and uh, although uh, be- the change because it's shifting into um, flood risk management, uh, we're going to store or we're going to, I guess. If you could clarify exactly what's happening in South Dakota as far as the changes we're making and whether that actually impacts anybody in South Dakota or if that simply impacts people uh, further down the line. Thanks. Jody, would you like to take that? Sure. Um, So the changes that we're seeing are that the runoff coming into the reservoirs, the water flowing into the reservoirs, has greatly increased um, during the past six weeks. So... We're seeing all of the mainstream reservoirs, including Oahe and South Dakota and um, Fort Randall, rise higher than we had previously forecasted. And the other particular change that we've made is that we have reduced the releases from Gavin's Point um, in order to provide additional flood risk reduction downstream. So we had been uh, on a release of 28,000 when the Flooding that started to occur on the lower basin, we started to cycle that release between 22, two days of 22,000 CFS and one day of 28 um, to provide flood risk reduction downstream, but also to enable us to continue our bird operations. Uh, but when conditions deteriorated even further downstream, then we abandoned that and went to a flat 24,000 release. So. Uh, overall, what that means is, you know, we're seeing uh, more water stacking up in the main stem reservoirs. We'll have to evacuate it this fall, but right now it looks like that evacuation rate will just be, you know, a rough estimate, five to 10,000 cubic feet per second above our navigation flows. Um, so, uh, you know, that should raise river levels, you know, maybe about two feet over where they typically are in the fall, back about to the level they were last year. Um, so we don't anticipate any significant problems with that. Does that answer your question? Keely, did that did that answer that for you? Sorry, I'm fighting the system again. Yes, I think that helps. I I think the um, even though it's been several years now, I think the 2011 flooding is is fresh in people's minds. So when they hear things like, well, um, you know, we're collecting more water upstream and, and we're kind of deciding what to do with it, I think people hesitate. That kind of clarifies the fact that um, yes, we're storing more water in these basins, but we're not going. It's nowhere near uh, a situation where we would be trying to balance flooding upstream versus flooding downstream. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, are there any other questions? Yes, this is Nancy from Omaha. Can you hear me? Hi, Nancy. Yes, Go ahead. So, Jody, could you follow up on the uh, changes in bird flows? If you hadn't had to change them, how much longer would you have continued with that pulsing? I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, if we hadn't had high water downstream, we would have continued on a flat release of 28,000 cubic feet per second um, until either the birds left or if we would need higher releases to meet a navigation target. Um, when we get flooding downstream, uh, we have a procedure in place where we cycle the releases. So we go to a lower release for two days and then back up to the 28. Um, we typically try to quit doing the cycling about this time of year because it does have a tendency to strand young chicks out on the ends of sandbars, on the shallow sandbars. So, um, so by you know going to a flat 24,000 release right now, um, we're avoiding that. The, the challenge that we'll have is as we need to come back up on our releases, we'll need to do that gradually so that we don't uh, flood any of the nests or uh, strand any of those chicks. So, and they're generally around till about the third week in August. And then. Um, <clears throat> Was there any sign in the in the models, excuse me, that there would be this big change in weather patterns? I'm wondering how surprised you were, and and, and again, the 2011 flood is I think in people's minds. Um, whether this is anything also you're going to be looking at the, the big change in terms of your available resources? Yeah, um, you know, go ahead, Dennis. Is that Dennis? Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take on the outlook part. That was something I should have mentioned earlier, Nancy, was that for a couple months there had been a, a, a suggestion in the models that there was going to be a flip towards wetter conditions, particularly in southern parts of the basin, maybe not so much in northern parts of the basin. Um, now, those of us who deal with long-range outlooks on a regular basis were aware of this and, and kept mentioning it, but... Uh, because it was such a marked change, we, we were cautious about saying too much about it until it really happened. And it did turn out the case that we did flip around. Uh, we didn't have any idea that it was going to be this large of a flip uh, to go from you know very dry conditions to incredibly wet. Uh, if you'd ask people in Oklahoma and Texas is that they expected to have you know 20 plus inches of rainfall, no one would have believed it. Uh, so we did have some hints that there was a change coming. Uh, how big a change it was and the impact it's had was, was even bigger than was, was projected by the model. Thank you. Okay. Are there any other questions? So that concludes our call today. We appreciate your participation. And um, as Jody said, um, any other conditions change? We will have another ad hoc call, and I hope this has been helpful to you. Thank you so much.